I was trying to remember when I was in America and I came across the beginnings of coming across this lady. And I think it must have been 2019. Yeah, it must have been. Gosh. I feel like the last two years have just blurred into each other. And the concept of even going to America right now seems just so foreign. But I went to um, the doTERRA convention in Salt Lake City in um, Utah in America. And um, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. It's like 40,000 people that go from around the world. It's amazing. You just feel like you're stepping into doTERRA world, like almost like you've gone to Disney, but it's doTERRA because like the whole of the city becomes doTERRAfied. Doterrified. Anyway, um, it uh, there are the huge shops with all the sort of extra things that you can buy that go along with the oils. And I remember seeing this book called The Energy Almanac, and it was so beautifully illustrated on the front, and it had all um, you know the different months broken up by what happens in terms of the astrology, but also um, with you know so many aspects of um health you know food yoga essential oils just the full spectrum just really beautifully laid out in a beautiful book and so I bought one for myself um and used used it and then um I really wanted to buy some of the 2020 copies for my friends and um like-minded people for for um 2021 which of course we're in now and so I contacted the author who is Tam and um asked her if I could buy them from her directly anyway I then had a thought that perhaps the lady that I know um in the UK who publishes um, essential oil books beautiful shop called essential oil supplies where you can buy all your kind of extra bits to go along with your essential oils I thought to myself well maybe she could um she could actually stock them for, for the European market and so started this relationship between me and Tam as I went back and forth with her and that eventually has happened um and it became available through essential oil supplies on the on the UK European market. And then Tam, you know, much to my, you know, honour, invited me to write for the 2022 copy of the Energy Almanac. And so developed our relationship anyway. And it, it has developed over this time. And I've grown a, a deep respect for Tam and the way that she holds herself within her business which is the main way that I have have known her and so I felt very very called to ask her to come as a guest onto the sounds of the rising because of everything that she believes it's very aligned with many of the beliefs of of the women listening to this podcast in in many different respects and certainly with my own personal beliefs and so I just really wanted and felt very called for her voice to be heard here. 
you will learn about Tam um, throughout this podcast and you really, really will learn about her on a very deep level and I certainly got to learn much more about her than I I knew um, and understand her on, um, on a... On a um, um, you know the complexities of of who of what makes her up and this is really what I wanted this podcast to be about for women to come and you know hopefully feel comfortable being vulnerable in this space so that you can all hear your yourself possibly in their experiences in their stories but if you can't hear yourself, you can hear the vulnerability and you can hear that it is safe for women to open up in this way and to know the growth that comes from that. Because th- from that comes the ability to really start to know yourself and to hear your soul's calling and then to live it. And I think you're really going to hear that today in, in what's shared by Tam it's a it's really really beautiful at the end I'm going to link up to all the things that are available for you to receive from the world um of Tam because there is is a lot and it's all just so magnificent so I will link up to everything at the end of um I will share talk more about that at the end of this podcast and I will share it in the show notes but for now enjoy listening to Tam and I'm so grateful that you're here again as always I truly am so excited to be speaking to you all the way across the pond (laughs) across the pond yeah I'm happy to be here Rochelle (laughs) so yeah let's just dive straight in like at, at the beginning of of the um these episodes of the sounds of the rising and these conversations that I have with women what I really want to to uh extract from each woman is for them to you know tell their story and really get into what makes them unique and their essence and and for other women to hear through that that you know if they haven't already that if they can do the work to really understand who they are and feel the worth and the value in that that they can move forward and create a life of their own that is is founded on you know their beliefs and their desires and and dreams mm-hmm. so many women are you know just stuck in so many ways and and these podcasts are really about hearing how other women have have found that in themselves mm-hmm. so i would love for you to share in your words however it, it has been your your story and what has led you to being the woman that you you are today in the work that you do well thank you for the invitation to tell my story um and it's so hard like everything in me wants to say oh but tm you're so boring and overcoming that has been part of my story overcoming the idea that i am boring and nobody cares about me has been one of the biggest, biggest parts of my story. So um, who am I? I am middle child and sandwiched between an older brother and a younger brother, raised in, um, raised in um, a small town in America. I actually was born in my own mind, very vanilla. I actually remember saying, 
nobody will ever care about me because I am so vanilla. I was never the girl who was doted on by her mom or dad. My, you know, my brothers picked on me terribly, whatever. Um, It's amazing to me that I sit here now as like a leader in what I would call the light, a change maker, an artist, a writer. Like I never in a million years would have imagined the seven-year-old who stood in my parents' dining room very cognizantly. I, I know this memory inside and out. I remember saying, nothing will ever become of me. I'm too vanilla. Wow. Yeah. Like a cognizant memory. It's so weird that a seven-year-old could think like that, you know, Mm. and that stayed with me. It stayed with me. Like when I would be 18 years old and looking back at pictures from my childhood, I'm like too plain, too plain, too plain. I was never the beautiful girl. You know, I was an I excelled at athletics and I excelled at art and creativity and I was a good person, but I was not exceptional. You know, we judge ourselves so harshly, right? Yeah. Wow. Do you still believe that out of interest that you weren't exceptional or was that just your belief then? I don't know. I don't know because literally as you invited me to tell my story, in my head, I heard who cares. I literally heard who cares. You know, for as much work as I do on myself, and I do a lot, I still have that voice that goes, nobody wants your story. I do podcasts all the time, but still there's something inside that will say, come on, who cares? So I battle that voice during conversations amongst other adults. I'll be at a dinner party and I'll, I'll just keep quiet and I'll watch carefully and I'll and I'll have something I want to add and I'll go nobody cares what you want to say yeah so when I speak it's typically because I've been invited to speak but you know there are so many people who are the opposite they can just speak and and add and contribute without taking a breath so it's it's just an interesting conundrum for a leader (laughs) it's what do you know your human design I am a manifestor generator. Okay. Yeah. Because I think, is it is it projectors that have to be invited to speak? I just wondered if you were a projector. I, I have heard that, that projectors need to be invited. I do believe it's also part of the manifestor generator um, that they want the invitation first. Yeah. yeah. But it, it seems like, um, doesn't seem normal because I'm a leader yeah. and I'm a really talented leader. Yeah. But. I usually am leading through my own initiation. I'm going to create something that I can lead in. And it's, it's probably like that voice in my head that says, nobody cares what you have to say is the reason I don't do as many Facebook lives as I could. It's the reason I don't dance on a TikTok. Who cares? Nobody wants to see me dance. Why would I do that? But we're in a society where everybody is willing to show off what they do, what they have, who they are. And it's, I, I, maybe it's the shy kid in me. I'm still a little bit shy. I don't know. I don't know, Rochelle. Not, I wouldn't say everyone is willing to do that. And again, that's like a real kind of uh, facade of social media is that we have this impression that everyone wants to, but there's obviously the majority of people who are not doing that. They're just not the ones that you see on social media. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, it's, um, wow. Okay. That, I mean, that's, it's, 
it's so huge. And I know that will be so powerful for women to hear because despite that, terrible. I mean, my daughter is seven and, and it actually breaks my heart to hear you say that because, you know, to, to think of her and, you know, I've, I've definitely got my own wounds and stories that I've shared as, as we, uh, in some of these podcasts and in my original story that I recorded. So, but that wasn't one of my wounds. Like I had other ones and we do all carry these wounds with us, all of us, whatever, whatever they look like. But to hear that, you know, from a seven-year-old and that you felt that and remember it so clearly, it's heartbreaking, but you clearly have done the work. Okay. Is it ever going to be complete? I, again, I wrote a blog about this, about my eating disorder. Am I ever going to be fully recovered? Because like it is ultimately part of our makeup. And one of the things that I love about human design, I've said this in a number of other podcasts, episodes is, you know, we have our energy centers that are defined and then that, that those that are undefined. And what I've learned is that the undefined areas, we can feel like, oh, there are our weaknesses, but actually they're the areas that we're here to grow and they're the areas that we te- can then go on to teach from because we have had to learn and grow through them. Whereas the defined ones, we just know. So we actually can't empathize with other people around that. So we can't teach from that place. Mm. Um, and, you know, you ha- and with all of us, we have these wounds. We have these stories, personal, generational that go back um, and, you know, cause us to have these feelings around ourselves. But it's it's they're ultimately a very powerful tool that we can use to grow from if we choose to and you have so what 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 take us from that seven-year-old girl to who who you are today well that's not a very pretty journey but I'm surely happy to share it (laughs) um so I talked about being like 17 and 18 and looking at the pictures of the very vanilla girl. And I basically followed my parents' footsteps. I was um, engaged at 17, married at 18, pregnant at 19, delivered at 20, 20, and then pregnant at 21 and delivered at 22. My mom had done the same exact journey. Um, She started at 16. I started at 17. Um, So I like was mired in life and, you know, had children at my ankles and I, they called me mother goose in my neighborhood, as a matter of fact. Um, so in my twenties, I was just blindly going through life doing whatever. Um, always an entrepreneur. I always was very creative. I went from, um, designing and making wedding dresses and sewing for other people, um, into, uh, multi-level marketing and doing things like that. And eventually, because my parents were entrepreneurs, I eventually went into their business and then built my own businesses. And by the time I was like 30-ish, I was, my kids were older now and I was beginning to find myself and my like spirituality just came and basically slapped me in the face. I started, my intuition was on, I could see, I could hear, it was like things were changing in my life and I knew it. I didn't know where I was going with it, but things were changing. What ended up happening was um, as I was like really developing my spiritual self, I realized and recognized that um, I was bigger than the place I was in, in my life. My soul was way bigger than small town America that I was in, Uh, you know, population 1500 people in my town. Um, 
and I had a husband who was a good person and a good man and who I loved, but I knew that the growth was going to stop and my soul and my spirit really wanted it. So at the time I owned a restaurant, a small country store and a small lakeside motel. So I was really entrepreneuring hard and the business was failing (laughs) and my marriage was failing. And as a parent, I was failing. And at the same time, I was having these incredible spiritual experiences, um, synchronicities that shouldn't happen and things were just changing. And so I asked for a divorce after 20 years of marriage. And what happened was my parents were going through a divorce at the same time after 40 years of marriage. So I lost my parents, my husband, my two best friends chose my husband over me. So I had no friends, really no family. And my, my son was now addicted to drugs and my daughter was now addicted to her boyfriend. So I was pretty much solo going it alone. So I picked myself up out of that small town and I left. I went about a hundred miles South to an area of the state I live in that was very populated and that would create new experiences for me. And it would really drastically change my life. And from that point forward, the, the real crux of my story and where I learned my strength and who I am is through, this is going to make me emotional. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Do the, <clears throat> through parenting the addict. So it was a 10 year journey of um, cocaine and then heroin and every bump and bruise that comes along with that and learning how to parent an addict without enabling, which I enabled, learning how to pull myself away from everything that I loved, which was that child and how to let him die so that I could live. Did did he, he and I, did he die? Well, he did die. And then he lived. I got the call that he was dying. I got a, a horrific phone call of screams and yelling and he's dying. And by the time I made it to the hospital, he had been saved. The Narcan needle saved his life and some nurse who I've never met, whose hand I've never shaked, saved his life and then kicked him out onto the street to go get high again, you know, but his journey, his journey through addiction changed everything. Um, I had to find a way to heal. I had to find a way to release my attachment to him, my attachment to parenting, to over-parenting. I went from being mother goose to being smother bear. And, um, you know, addiction has so many stories that go with it. And I knew, I learned that he was my teacher and he was having his own very, very deeply spiritual journey. 
And he was really a spiritual warrior trying to deal with his own demons. And that was why he was in that battle that he was in. And I had to realize that. And I had to separate myself from that. And God was leading the journey the entire way. And it was really, really remarkable. And there were many details that I won't share, but um, it made me a warrior, a real warrior. And um, today I'm not sad. I'm not stuck and I'm not vanilla. I am I'm a leader. I'm courageous and brave and powerful. Wow. And I cry every time I tell that story. <laughs> yeah. Every time. And I've done so much work, but it's the truth. He's my hero and I'm my own hero. And now I help other people to be their own hero. Wow. Wow. Just wow. So powerful, Dan. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. Wow. Witty wise but still that it's a powerful story and it's true and it's mine and somebody else may not cry when they listen to that but there's a lot of uh, a lot of lessons I learned a lot of wisdom I learned and I learned I am strong I am powerful I can create change in myself and in others so yeah just amazing just absolutely incredible and like yeah to hear to hear you say those words like I am not vanilla after the beginning of what you shared, you know, in itself is just, you know, just so powerful and overwhelming to hear. Just really incredible. I mean, you said at the beginning of the podcast, you said that you still have that voice in your head, like who cares about my story? Does that really, I mean, did that's still there? Because I mean, that is just, that is such a powerful story. That is it such, is. yeah. I mean, I care. I really, I mean, obviously I care. I invited you to come on and I didn't even know that story. And I like, I knew from you that that you had something powerful to share. Yeah, It's still true. It's still there. There's still the voice. I still go to dinner parties where I'm invited because somebody loves me enough to invite me and still will be sit there and I'll say, you know, if they ask my opinion, if they want a story, I'll share one, but I, I typically will wait because I'm not sure if anybody cares. It's something I would love to shed in this lifetime. And maybe I will. I mean, let's be honest, Rochelle. I now officially have a TV show, you know, and still it's like, eh, will they, will they watch it? Who will really care if I have a TV show? It's just, it's just something in my wiring, I guess. It's, it's really probably my true thing to overcome. And it, it may come from some, um, you know, modeling and the childhood wounds that we go through, you know, not being heard as a child, uh, teachers who couldn't listen, wouldn't go all the way with the child to hear the story. You know, I know because of the work that I do as a transformational coach, Everything is wired into you by the time you're seven, by the time you're 12, it's really, there's a filter. I take my clients through an entire exercise that involves the filter and as much work as you do, you know, the wounds are still there. And sometimes it's somebody rewounding you. I have, um, 
I have a spot on my right leg where I have had surgery four times. The doctor would reopen the scar and go in and use the same entry point four times. It's no different with a story. You think you've healed it. There's a scar, but they re-enter the same wound. That wound, that word, them, them saying that to you. And you're like, oh, there's that wound again. There's that wound again. So I think, I think I've never really let my guard down that I trust other people enough that they really want my story with the exception of a few people. I do have some very good, good, good people in my life who I know want to know what I think. Um, but the, the majority of people who are in my periphery, I, I guess it's a trust factor for me. I love that analogy of the surgery. Um, I think the, the, you know, we'll, we'll have it, we'll have it, however it looks, but the, the most important step always is the awareness around it, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I recognized a few months ago now that that's just why I write the blog about my eating disorder that, you know, I was stopping myself from doing certain things because I had a fear of falling back into like, you know, making myself throw up every day. And I didn't even realize it was there. But when I did realize the awareness was enough for me to lead myself out of it in that moment, it's never going to be completely gone. There's always going to be things that will trigger, will trigger it. And yeah, it's like going back in those moments and almost like reparenting that child in those moments, isn't it? And then moving forward from, from that basis. So okay that was probably the most powerful story that we've had oh sorry (laughs) just so grateful for it so grateful so grateful so yeah I mean you said before we started that you felt like interesting now you've shared your story you felt because the first two questions I, I kind of have there as a basis to ask it flows as it flows each each episode but that are there is what is your story and the second one is what stories have you had to let go of and you were the first person that have said you felt like they were the same question and I find that's really interesting based on now having shared your story because they are so they are so interconnected for you absolutely yeah. I mean, they are for all of us again like you know you've just really um most people perhaps aren't brave enough or aware enough to connect that into their story that what they've had to let go of in order to move forward and that's why I try and draw it out of them but you've just done it right (laughs) so thank you so you're here today so share with us what what it is that you actually do like what work do you do who do you work with so as a transformational coach uh first thing I did and I do every day is, you know, work toward healing myself, my own first, I had to heal my own wounds. And then when I figured out the process, <laughs> oh, it was like 2010, people started saying, Tam, you're the happiest person I know, how can I be more like you? I suddenly realized that um, I was on to something and I could probably lead people toward this. And so I developed a protocol for helping people really make peace with their past. And that's ultimately what I've done for as most as emotional as I feel telling you my stories today, I really am at peace with my stories now. So um, 
I take people through an ABC process and I, it's an ABC basic, simple process for a lot of reasons. I'm really wired to simplify things. I really don't like convoluted language, issue obfuscation, make things simple. Don't make things so hard. So my goal in life is always to make things simple. The very first thing I did when I healed myself was I wrote a children's book about law of attraction. And I took the message from the children's book and brought it into adult healing, align with a vision. You have to know what you want or you're never going to get where you're going. You can't hit a target that you can't see. So define what it is you're looking for. And that's the first thing I help people do. Second thing I help people do is be break through the BS, the belief systems, keeping them stuck. I remember actually doing a timeline of all of the stories I'd had in my life and looking at the theme. What is the general themes that I have here? Sad, stuck, and broke. That was my main themes up until I was in my 30s. I was deeply sad about life in general. I felt stuck um, and I'm, you know, I broken emotionally and broken um, physically because I had broken uh, bones and legs structural. I had structural breaks. And by the time I divorced, I was broken financially. So sad, stuck and broke was my theme. I had to break through that theme through and my technique is an emotional freedom technique, EFT. So tapping was my go-to protocol and I tapped myself black and blue. I tapped myself bruised and I did it a lot. And particularly in the days of the addict, I tapped myself black and blue. It saved my life. It saved my bacon. And um, it saved a lot of other people's lives at this point, because I've worked with so many people teaching them how to use EFT as a self-help tool to create change and the C in my protocol. So it's aligned with a vision, break through the belief systems, and then C cultivate a plan for change. So cultivating a plan means actually saying, what, what can I do daily? What are the steps I can do every single day? And, and what does that look like? And, and how can I cultivate it? Keep it going day after day until I'm healed, healed and whole. So that's what I do. I, um, I work with men and women. I've lately, like last year, 2020, I worked with so many men. It was crazy. It was weird. Um, majority of my clients are women, but men are coming out of the woodwork to heal their stories too. And it's, it's pretty beautiful. So that's, yeah, it's, it sounds like a, I, I love the idea of the simplicity because it, without that people feel overwhelmed and they don't get started. I feel, um, could you talk us through a little bit about, um, because in a couple of the podcasts, people have mentioned DFT just as their own personal healing technique, but I've never actually dived into what it is on a, on one of these podcasts and seeing as it, you are a practitioner of it, it would be wonderful for other because we in our world assume people know what it is, but a lot of people don't. So it would be really good to hear, hear from you how you would describe it. Absolutely. I'd love, I love talking about EFT, emotional freedom technique, EFT. Keep remembering that emotional freedom technique. This is a self-help literally tapping on the um, upper torso of your body to 
the best way to think of it is like a relief, a relief valve um, that releases pressure, releases emotional pressure from the body. So if you can imagine that your body is filled with hundreds of meridian lines that are kind of like a garden hose, no beginning and no end, just a loop that runs through your body. They're chains of light. The light carries emotion. So if you're like, like I was deeply sad, I had chains of light trailing sadness through my body. Well, these chains of light run through all of your organs. So now my heart is running with chains of sadness going through it. And then it's going into my digestive system and there's chains of sadness. It's going through my liver. It's going through my spleen. It's, it's running through my body from my head to my toe, carrying emotion. Unfortunately for me, I was running on sadness. So when enough emotional charge gets locked up in an area of your body, a disease will form or a break will happen. In my case, I was breaking structurally. Um, my organs were sound, but I kept having an ankle that would re-break. I kept having a knee that would re-break. Well, the ankle represents my ability to be flexible and move forward. I wasn't able to do that. I was too sad. I had this sadness stuck in my ankle. Uh, my knee kept dam being damaged because I was in my ego, being rigid in my thought thinking. Well, that there my knee would go, but it works differently for different areas of the body. Um, every organ in the body holds a different emotional component and you can connect those dots. So with EFT, you're tapping on the emotion and you're admitting you have it. So it's like announcing you're tapping on the top of your head and you're announcing, I'm so sad. I'm just deeply sad inside my body. And then you move and you tap between your eyes. I'm really sad about the time my brother called me ugly. And then you move to the side of your eye. I'm really hurt by that. It wounded me that he called me that. And this is a true story for me. So then under my eye, I'm really sad and it hurts my heart that he thinks that I'm ugly. Why would he do that? I'm only seven and I'm talking to the emotion, right? And then I go to my collarbone and I'm tapping just below my collarbone. I'm really deeply sad, but it's safe for me to not be sad anymore. So I'm going to change the story. And then I'm tapping my wrists and I'm tapping and I'm talking about the pain. I do this thing where I talk about the pain. And then you do a round of tapping where you talk about it's safe for me to release it and let it go. And you tell your body, you're telling the emotions I'm done with you. You make peace with that story. And then you do a final round of tapping where you announce, even though he thinks I'm ugly, I think I'm kind of cute. And many people have called me cute and you're tapping on all the points. And what you're doing when you're tapping is disrupting the emotional charge in that loop of light running through your body. So you can take emotional pain out of your physical body and you can pour into it the good stuff. So it, I know that I kind of went sideways in that story, but that's how EFT works. And if you can do it daily, you're basically retraining the emotional light chains in your body, the meridian lines, you're changing those and you're rewiring your brain to believe a new story. You're getting into your unconscious mind and telling it the truth is you're kind of cute. You're doing great things. <laughs> you live a rich, rewarding life. You know, you can tell yourself a whole new story.
amazing. Like I, I've got a process that I am putting together now um, to offer that I've realized that is it was my process that I went through. And a part of that is to release old wounds and, and then rewrite your own story. And, you know, it's incredible how you've used and many people use tapping to do that. I, I EFT, I am... Um, I've only ever done it once with a practitioner. I had a huge amount of grief and I have, I have no idea why. I had a cat only for a year. It's the only cat I've ever had. <laughs> I normally have dogs. And she was here to teach me something. She got run over on a, a night where it was this huge, literally huge red full moon. And it was so hot. And the way that I discovered that she'd been run over was quite dramatic in itself and I could not stop crying like it was a grief that I had never felt before even for humans that I had loved so much and she uh for two weeks I couldn't stop crying and eventually someone offered me EFT because they could see how much I was struggling and I went through a process of going to meet her in a field and you know I felt mental doing it to be honest like this cat like it, it just affected me so much but as soon as I'd finished that process of, of, of EFT and I got off the phone, like I, I didn't cry again. It, it had released it all for me. <laughs> it is um, so powerful. What a story about my cat, but yeah, it was some, she was here to teach me something. And I, I know, I know what it was. I won't get into it now, but it, you know, it, it, it was, yeah, I, I do, you know, I do think it's a very, very powerful tool and um, I recommend it to other people. And there are perhaps areas that I need to look at to, to you know, do more of it myself, if I'm honest. So, yeah. I want to I tell you that, like, I mean, I've witnessed almost miracles because you're releasing energy from the body. The, the energy has that emotional charge to it. And when you can rid that emotional charge, your body wants to heal. Your body is meant to heal. I have witnessed people get up off a wheelchair and walk like they had neuropathy in their feet couldn't feel their feet stood up felt their feet for the first time in three years and walked out of the room mm -hmm. came in in a wheelchair walked out of the room I've seen said I've seen um clients of mine they'll call me a week later and they go I've lost five pounds since we did the work because the emotional burden was so big it creates a detox, a, a cellular detox of the body. I mean, I, I have so many stories about it. It's just very, very powerful work. I highly recommend people take it on, not just as a go get healed with a coach, do the work every day and you'll just have a nice gentle detox of your own stories. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that because I think that's a message for me as well. So I appreciate it. I am, um, I was trying to describe to my son the other day about how emotions and the way that we hold them, um, you know, affects our physical health. And he was really struggling to understand it. Like he's a very literal person. My daughter straight away, like she gets it, but my son, he's very kind of literal. And he was like, yeah, but emotions, like they're not a real thing inside your body. And I, I was like, he knew that he felt them. He understands that feeling of them, but like he want, he couldn't like connect them to anything like physical. Like he found that very difficult to connect to. And um, I think a lot of people do. A lot of people do struggle with that and they don't realize the power 
I mean, he's he's very happy to release his emotions. The reason we were talking about it is because he's having a massive, like, intense sob. And, you know, I really hold space for him to do that. Yeah. Um, but, um, and he's, you know, he's very open to releasing his emotions, but he couldn't connect when I was trying to talk to him about how it was so good that he does that because of this. And, but so many people don't. And a lot of that comes and not only do they not understand it, but they don't allow themselves to release it because yeah. of what they've been told as a child, like, don't cry. Like my friend actually remarked on it. She was here, like, he's so lucky you haven't got him going up to him saying, you're 12 years old, come on, like, just get it together. You know, that they're the kind of messages that, that children hear. Yes. Um. So yeah, no, really, um, really like powerful. And, and so you use that as a big part of, of your, of your work, of your coaching. Yeah, I do. I do. It's, it's one of the bigger parts. I also use um, access consciousness, which is sort of a rewiring of the quantum field. Um, anybody, everybody should look up access conscious consciousness. It's about changing your language, about asking questions that are powerful. Um, it's really language is a big part of my healing. I try to catch my clients, how they're speaking and then give them new language to lean into and rewire rewire the the unconscious mind rewire the stories you reflect it back to them like if they're using specific words you totally can, yeah totally all the time that's why it's kind of funny um my my son-in-law my not my son-in-law my my son says to me oh you're a bulldog you might be cute on the outside but <laughs> you're not gonna let people get away with it I'm like no I I can't my job as a coach is to hold people accountable and that's why they come to me yeah yeah. So what what are the beliefs and the knowings that drive you in the work that you do? Uh, it's a good question. Um, truly, my belief, my belief is now that I can do anything. That is the belief that drives me now. Um, and one of the my favorite lines from Access Consciousness is all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And I must repeat that 100 times a day. All of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. The better it gets, the better it gets. That's me telling the quantum field, bring it. I'll take it. I'll take more. And it took a long time for me to actually believe that. But I do now. I believe that I can do anything. I can have everything. It all comes with ease and joy and glory. I truly believe the hardest part of my life is over. Yeah. And, and I would imagine you believe that that's available to everyone. And that's what drives you to want to help. Totally. Find it. I, I believe in a benevolent God and that we are only a sliver of the potential of God. Um, and if we activate it, if we activate that light inside of us, we can be, do, and have anything and everything. And that is what God wants for us. And it drives me. It totally drives me. Um, maybe it's my age. You know, I, I was raised in church, Catholic and all of that. And I've, I've just changed a lot. I am, I just have, my connection to God has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is outside of church. And I don't know. I don't even know how your audience believes, but it doesn't matter to me. I have learned that what I believe is serving me now and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. So would you say that there is a specific kind of person that comes to you with a specific kind of story or do you tend to? Yeah. Um, 
ultimately, I, I guess I would say right now I'm at the point it, it's been evolving all the time. It started where it was only women. Then I was getting all divorcees. Then I was getting both men and women. But now really who seems to be coming to me are people who are women, mostly who are entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their business and have a deep interest in astrology. I haven't said this to you on the podcast, but you know, astrology tapped me on the shoulder back in 2018. And it's been a deep dive into astrology ever since then. And since I learned my astrological chart and how astrology works in general, I have learned that um, it's just another piece of God's puzzle that he gave to us. If only you will tap into it, you can learn your own potential. It's all right there. It really is written in the stars. So people who come to me are people who are building something and they know, they recognize there's something in, in my own way. And I don't know what it is. There's a belief, there's a stuckness. I can't figure out how to identify it. And they know that I can put the magnifying glass on it with them and help them guide their own ship. So leading on from that, because I feel like there is a definite link here and I'm interested to see if you do, how do you think, and why do you think those women are coming to you right now in these times? Oh, I, I, we are, we are in the awakening period. We are in the great awakening and, um, people are, women are picking up on the messages. There's more to this. I don't understand it yet. I want to go to somebody who understands it. And I am recognized now as a person who understands it. I, I honor my role on this planet. I am here to be seen. I know that now I am here to be seen. So vanilla or not, people are coming to me to help with their own awakening. And that's part of that is the astrology book that I write. Part of that is the TV show I'm now doing. Part of that is through my group coaching. Women are are really being called to step up. And I find it so fascinating. Like I, and, and so interesting within myself and with other women too. Like a lot of, I might say, oh, well, I'm, going, I'm going to start doing this. Or I'm going to start doing that. Like I'm feeling really called to it. And other women are like, oh, you know, sometimes a little bit shyly, like, oh, I'm really feeling called to do that too. Like almost like it's, I'm going to have a problem with that because I've just said I'm going to do it. But I'm like, yes, because so many women are being called to this work to help other women rise, hence yes. the name of this podcast. And it's so incredible for me because like, Every time I hear another woman saying that they're stepping into that role or, or they're being called to, but they don't really understand it, like the women that are coming to you, I'm like, come on, come at it. Like, let's do it together because it is, I believe it is so necessary for every woman who, who's feeling called to it to step into this space to help other women rise so that we can readdress the, the imbalance that is currently on this planet. And I love that. And I want to say something that I hope every woman listening to this gets my dear friend, Bambi said this to me a few years ago when I was having one of my, um, <laughs> we have a joke. I call her, um, an incessant liar and she calls me the incessant wounded one, the constant victim. We tease each other about our past. I always say like, why do you tell yourself that lie all the time? And she'll say, well, why do you have to be such a victim? But I was complaining, like nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I don't have enough experience in that to teach it. She said to me, and I don't know who you are, who is listening to this podcast right now, but hear this. Every third grader 
is a rock star to a first grader. You only really need to be a couple of steps ahead of somebody else that needs your light, that needs your wisdom, that needs to know how to wear plaid pants with a polka dot shirt. You're an absolute rock star to somebody. And, there, and there's actually one more link I want to hear have here. When I was early in my journey, 2008, I went to a webinar. I, I was by myself. I had divorced. I was going through it all. But I went to a webinar to try to like help myself. The guy on the stage was in this very deep spiritual conversation. And he was talking about how he was thinking, had thought about suicide. And somebody said to him, and he was now saying it to his audience, and it stayed with me. You are somebody's hero. You don't know whose hero. You, they might never have told you. But somebody needs you and your message and your wisdom and your time. You are somebody's hero. So maybe you're just a third grader overseeing first graders, but you're somebody's hero. So show up and do the work. We need you more than ever. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel that so deeply. And I've always, you know, I've always tried to remember that because we have such a, a call to compare ourselves to others and, you know, they're so over there and who am I to be doing this? But, you know, your voice will resonate with someone in the way that theirs weren't. And also sometimes, you know, if they're that far ahead, actually they won't resonate with that person at all. And, where you are is exactly where that person needs you to be to to guide them. So, yeah, I I you know I and I I just want to like um call back on you know I know that for you it, it it's and for many women I'm sure hearing what you've shared that that fear of not really wanting to be heard is is stronger. And I know that because I don't have that fear as many people can probably attest to. <laughs> very happy but I do still have voices in my head that say yeah you know are they going to want to buy my program surely they're not going to buy my program I'm look you know I'm launching a a new membership program called the mothership I think I told you about that last time and you know there's so many things that I have just learned really over the last 18 months and I could easily let those demons come in and say 18 months that's not enough experience to show up and start teaching this but actually I know that I've thrown myself in in a way that most women just will never do because they're too overwhelmed and I can help them through that overwhelm but I still have the voices yeah and you know that I suppose the biggest difference between me and you and this is what really what I want you know really my mission behind this podcast is that women don't let those voices stop them because then if they let if they don't let you know if they let the voices stop them not only are they not fulfilling their soul's calling and therefore not really living the life that they were intended to live but ultimately they're not out there helping and supporting and and nurturing and guiding the other women or people that desperately need them and you know, you have to let go of the ego because it's really the, the, the thing that holds you back from fulfilling your, your destiny. I, I truly believe. I, I absolutely. Look, there are so many coaches out there. Amen. Because we all offer a different flavor. I might like cookie dough and you might do it vanilla. 
strawberry, there's pistachio, there's so many flavors and we're all so unique. And it's that old saying, and I don't know who said it, if not you, then who, if not now, then when. It's so important that we step up and step in. There are 7.5 billion with a B people on this planet. And how many of them need healing? (laughs) 7.4 billion, probably, right? Are we ever done healing? Probably. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's space for all of us to have clients and do the work. There is. And like, you know, to that point, 7.5 billion people. I mean, I, I love, um, it's, it's like, uh, it's almost like a psychometric test, but it's way more advanced than that. It's called Clifton Strengths Finder. And it's a tool that I, I use a lot when I'm working and mentoring other women, because what I love about it is that nobody that has ever been alive will have had the same 34 strengths in the same order ever, right? So not only are there 7.5 billion people that need healing, but there are 7.5 billion people that are all 100% unique from each other, as I am, as you are, and we have our own gifts that we are here to offer, but we are held back by the lack of belief in our worth because of the experiences and the wounds and the stories that we're carrying with us. And, you know, that's, it's just so sad to me. And, and really it's what drives, you know, really what drives me to, yeah. to the work that I do. So I love this question and I know that you will be able to answer it. Not everyone can, but I know you'll be able to. So how do you feel that the masculine and the feminine show up within your work, but also within your life? Like talk, talk to us about your experience, <laughs> those two energies in, in you. Uh, I- this is a really funny question and it plays out in so many ways in my life. Um, masculine and feminine. So I've always considered myself really, really balanced. I've always felt, I mean, I actually think I have more of a, a, a man's physical presence. My face is not super feminine. My body is very athletic. Um, I'm cut more like a man than a woman. I'm not curvy. So I kind of feel like I look like a man but I act like a woman no it's true I have a very masculine face and everybody will go you look just like your dad and I say until my mother walks in the room and then I look just like my mother (laughs) um but what's interesting is my name is Tam legally Tamra I was born Tammy I changed that that name in and of itself literally means androgyny (laughs) And androgyny, you know, a little of both. So, and I feel like that has really played out in all of my life. Um, As an athlete, and I really consider myself an athlete. I really was that up until my early 40s when I got injured. Um, That feels very male to me, but I am the biggest nurturer, feminine person that there is. I couldn't mother any harder than I mother. And I love it. I love every minute of it. Um, I'm really just a bleeding heart. I, you know, yes, I had tears on this podcast, but I'll have tears five more times today because that's how I live my life with a big, open, bleeding heart. That's how I live. Um, I love the masculine. I love it. In general, not just in Tam. I love the masculine in life. I love big, strong, powerful men. Um, and I love the soft, beautiful women on this planet and I love them for what they are. I don't want my men to be softer. I want them to be more hard. I want my women to be softer. Mm -hmm. I, I love the dichotomy. 
I love how we were meant to fit into each other physically. I, I love all of that. And I don't know if that makes me good or bad, right or wrong, up or down, doesn't matter. I just, um, I feel very at balance with um, masculine and feminine and how it plays out in my life. I hold space in a big way in my business that feels masculine. Mm-hmm. And I'm soft and loving and I cry with my clients and that feels very feminine. And that just is what it is. And again, my, my persona in TV now in um, podcasting is really, I am the cosmic pretzel. I'm a little sweet and I'm a little salty, but I'll leave you with something to chew on. <laughs> I love that. Is that the actual tagline? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll link everything up in the show notes so everyone can find all this. Cause yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you recorded anything yet? Uh, the show first show just went live uh, last week. So okay, exciting. I look forward to watching it. Okay. Two more questions before we go. What legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be known for? Probably three words. She was fun. Mm. It's really what I want. It's one of my, it's my top value. You know, my second value would be my relationship to God. Um, But yeah, I want to be known for my, my fun. I'm already known for my creativity. Um, Probably strength is in there somewhere, but if I had to pick one thing, like she was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it simple. Yeah. (laughs) No, great. You said that at the beginning. So yeah. Um, And then finally, perhaps a a big question, given what we've spoken about already, but what would you say to the younger version of yourself if you could go back and speak to her? Mm. Well, ultimately, ultimately, I would tell her it's all going to work out in the end. And for this is really for all the people who are struggling out there. You can't skip the hard parts. You just can't. They are what make you chocolate or vanilla or lemon. And you can't skip it, but it will work out in the end if you will just show up for yourself. And that's what I ended up doing. I fought through being vanilla and decided I was worthy of having a big life. And I hope what I'm doing, sometimes, you know, I don't know, I mean, this maybe goes somewhere else, but, you know, sometimes I feel guilty for having a big life, wanting a big life, being okay with being seen, (laughs) Um, you know, it's hard sometimes for other people who don't have big dreams. My dreams are really, really big and um, it'll be okay. I can't skip the hard parts. I can't skip the hard parts. It's going to be okay in the end and just keep showing up. Perfect. Thank you. Honestly, like, I am so happy that you shared your story and that you came here with us because I have massively enjoyed listening to you. And every time I am, I record a podcast, I always go back and listen to it again before I release it. Wow. And so I will love re-listening to this. I know I will, because I will take more and more from it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for saying yes. Mm. And uh, yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure thanking you for letting me be really raw. (laughs) So there we have it. Um, Just a very, very powerful conversation. Um, And one that I was really, really grateful, really grateful to have 
in many, many ways. It, it taught me a lot. It's given me a lot to think about. And um, it, it really explained for me a lot about the personal life of this woman that I've only really got to know in a business sense. And I think that's just a very important important thing for us to realise. We can look out and see these women having, in inverted commas, success. And I, I do that in inverted commas because success looks so many different ways. And, you know, we can we can judge other people's success based on our own personal ambitions around success, whatever that looks like for us, monetary, um, whether it's on their, that they're, they, you know, they've published a book or that they've got this many followers on Instagram, whatever it is, we can look at all these women and see this success that they're having and not actually realise that there's the battles and the stories the wounds that they've had to overcome to get there and knowing that I think you know really I'm, I'm coming back to this point it really is the mission of this this space the sounds of the rising it's for you to hear literally the sounds of the women who have risen and continue to rise and know that you can do it too if you're if you are feeling called to something more um you can find all the ways to connect with Tam in the show notes she has um obviously her offerings within her her coaching that you can find on her website she has the energy almanac which I will link up to and I will also link up to where you can buy buy it if you're in Europe and of course her new um her new venture of um the awake tv network which is very very exciting all of that is linked in the show notes next week you will be hearing from me with one of my closest friends and I'm really excited about that conversation Uh, we have very deep and meaningful conversations in person but I'm looking forward to getting it here in a public space so I will see know feel you here in this envelope I'm going to call it that from now on that is the sounds of the rising next week but for now have an incredible week full of growth and adventure as always sending you so much love